Thank you for listening. This is Getting to Know You, a podcast introducing Jewish Federation of the Desert CEO, Alan Potash, to leaders, influencers, and people of interest in the Coachella Valley. I'm Jeff Hawker, and I'm joined here with my co-host, Alan Potash. How are you doing today? Jeff, I'm doing great. Um, I love this podcast. I love that you bring so many interesting people to meet me and for me to meet them and to show off the Federation. Who have you brought us today? Well, this is John McMullen, entrepreneur, program director, and um, really talented digital guy all around. How are you doing today? I'm good, Jeff, and nice to meet you, Han. Nice meeting you. Thank you for being here. And I looked at your website. You're a very, very interesting person. I think we have a lot of things in common. Oh, great. And I'm, I'm also hoping that you'll uh, help us, um, help me uh, do a better job of recording our podcast. I have like a bunch of tools, but not sure how to use the tools. But that's another conversation. So uh, this podcast is really about an opportunity for me to meet people and to hear why you're here in the Valley what you do in the Valley and what you get excited about. Great. Well, thank you for inviting me to be here. And, uh, and I look forward to working with JFED. Um, the thing that brought me to the Valley, I, I've worked since I was a wee tot in, uh, in broadcast media. Um, I grew up around it because I had family that owned a small market radio station north of Seattle. And I would spend my summer vacations going and hanging out with my cousins who were basically the same age as me. And um, we would terrorize my aunt and uncle and force them to turn over control of the radio station <laughs> to us during the summers or during other holiday breaks. Um, that interest uh, grew a lot during school years. And, uh, and by the time I was, I think, 12 or 13 years old... Um, you know, I was actually working, working at those radio stations on my summer breaks. But um, ultimately, uh, I ended up here in the Palm Springs, Greater uh, greater Palm Springs, Coachella Valley market uh, because I had been um, looking for a job to help me stay in Southern California after I had left a job working in national radio for Sirius Satellite Radio. And... Uh, and there was an opportunity that came up to be the program director and operations manager for a cluster of three radio stations yeah. here in the desert. And those stations at the time were owned uh, by the Morris Communications Company out of uh, Augusta, Georgia. They owned, uh, I think, six stations here in the market at the time. And I would be responsible for the ones that had spoken word programming on news, sports, and a combination of Spanish talk and uh, oldies. And those were K-News and KXBS and KFUT. And the thing I was really looking forward to in coming back to a, a local market radio after working for uh, roughly five years at the national level on sa satellite radio was an opportunity to create local content again and really connect with uh, an audience locally. And so I had sat and listened to the stations here and there wasn't very much local content on them, but there were a few shows at the time. And some of those uh, personalities uh, are still or were in the market until, uh, well, probably one of the most uh, 
uh, high profile people who I was lucky enough to work with and develop a program with was Bulldog Bill Feingold, who was a very popular host uh, originally at nighttime. And then later um, we introduced him to mornings here in the market. And he became quite beloved uh, all across the valley. And so um, we decided with the success that we built up with um, a couple of the shows that I took under my, under my wing to begin with, that we would um, try and build out more local content. So um, a lot of people in our industry would tell you that I managed to pull off the, um, the unaccomplishable. And that was that we ended up having about nine hours a day, Monday through Sunday, of live local content on K News. And that was a huge turn, not just in terms of a market this size, but in terms of a market any size. Even in large markets, they're lucky if they have more than afternoon and morning drive times that have a local host. Definitely not on the weekends. And and what we did is we proved that it was um, profitable to do that because Advertisers felt that the people who would host these shows, people like Bill and many of the other personalities, Gary Stone and, and a number of other people, Bonnie Gilgallen and so on, that these folks, they have a connection with the local audience. And therefore, it's that whole value of word of mouth. You know, you tell a friend and the friend tells a friend and so on and so forth. And it was a really positive thing. And so as we were just beginning to go into a recession in the end of 2007, beginning of 2008, lo and behold, that station, K News, which had been doing, when I got here, it was doing about $650,000 in revenue that year. The next year, it more than doubled that. Wow. And and so we were able to show the value of local content and making a connection in the community. Um, I would end up staying with K News and KXBS and KFUT for exactly five years, almost to the day. I think it was like five years and two days. And um, when I left, I had an opportunity. One of the things I'd done when I was here is I'd managed to make a connection with a gentleman who I had known of for many years, but had never had a chance to actually work with him before. And he was kind of the quote unquote grand champion of spoken word radio in the United States. He built a lot of the monsters of the midday, as I like to call them, the very successful nationally syndicated mm -hmm. talk hosts. And he also had programmed some of the most successful talk stations in America, including KFI in Los Angeles. And so um, there was an opportunity. We really uh, clicked, and there was an opportunity for me to go to work and work as an associate under him. And really, you know, for a guy who I thought, you know, I'd already been in satellite radio and doing all this other stuff, that, you know, I had the world by the tail. But I was like, you have an opportunity to go to work for the master and learn his skills and his trade. Who wouldn't do that? So, that's what I pursued next. And, and it would end up leading to going to work with a client in the Midwest who he had had me deal with for him that was one of his clients back there. Um, and it turned out they were owned by a company out of Portland, Oregon, uh, that was called Alpha Media. And 
they hadn't yet purchased the stations that I was working at here, but they would eventually come to do that right about the time that I moved back into the market. And uh, so I had left here for a year and went to work in Illinois. And unfortunately, a, a medical issue, I had to have a back surgery, brought me back here. And, and because of the time it was going to take to recover, I had to leave that position. I had originally planned to stay back there a couple of years. But that's kind of how, you know, um, I ended up in the desert. And then while I was back here, I realized that um, there was something that was still missing because in the turnover that had happened in the meantime in that company, in the local radio stations, there had been a decrease, not complete removal, but there had been a decrease in the amount of hours of local content to connect with the local audience. And um, I was working on a couple of different projects, but over the next two years, I really realized that what, what was really missing here was an around-the-clock, completely locally-focused talk station, news talk station, and one that focused not just on what everybody does, which what everybody in the business does is politics. And it's not like the whole spectrum. It's, you know, either one side or the right. other. It's it's people beating, them, uh, beating each other over the heads with hammers. And it's like, I'm like, I can get this on, on Facebook. <laughs> Who needs that? So I decided to get to, to get some research done. And, um, and that ultimately led to the creation of a project called iHub Radio, which I was supported uh, uh, with assistance from the Coachella Valley Economic Partnership. CVEP ran the um, iHub, the incubator, business incubator program here, which there are now multiple iHubs across the valley, one in Palm Desert, one in Palm Springs. I think there's one in uh, in India, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And, um, and these iHubs do an incredible service to help local entrepreneurs uh, who have good ideas but maybe don't have the resources, all the resources yet, or they need a place to work out of, or they need some consulting on just how to do specific types of functions for their business. They might have the product down, but they may not understand marketing, or they might not understand distribution, or so on. And so um, working with those people at uh, CVEP, I was able to um, create a product that we called iHub Radio. And what iHub Radio was, was it was 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It was not over the air, but it was over the internet. And it was distributed on a live streaming channel so that people could hear it just like any other radio station. And because of the technology that exists today, you could actually hear it in your cars on dashboards that had the digital elements hooked up to it, so long as you could get your apps connected to your to your wow, dashboard. That's great. Yeah. So we gave a, a, an opportunity for the community not just to hear conversation about politics. And sure, there were you know a lot of um, current events issues that we would talk about, but also all these other things. So we created programs that were about everything from homeowner association living to arts and entertainment, to um, food and beverage locally, to uh, uh, raising kids. Uh, we had a show that was a program that focused on, on uh, being dad, you know, 
and we had uh, other shows that were um, kind of wide cars, yeah, movies, w- movies, cars, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff. Substance abuse. Yep, and and many of those um, were really well liked, and we had uh, an interesting experience because in talk radio over the air, the average listen time that somebody has is uh, about eight and a half to 11 minutes per listening session. Meaning usually a listening session is like when somebody gets in the car, turns the radio Mm -hmm. on, goes to the store, gets out of the car, goes into the store, the session ends. And in, in this case, um, the session, uh, the sessions that we were having on I have radio were keeping people locked in. And also because of the fact that, their device, you know, like an iPhone or an Android phone is essentially the 21st century version of a transistor radio. It goes with you wherever you go and maybe you're hooked up on earphones via Bluetooth or whatever. So people were listening on average about 35 to 45 minutes per session, which was unheard of. Mm-hmm. And and so we were like, you know, we're on to something here. But once again, it was like some other projects I've worked on where we were, uh, I think, a couple, of ahead, a couple of years ahead of our time. And there was not really broad acceptance yet among the um, advertising support uh, community that we were reliant on because this is not something that we were going to charge people for because they're used to getting radio for free in mm-hmm. their car and all that and not paying for it and paying for it through having to listen to the ads. So, um, you know, I think we did an amazing job keeping it going for a little over three and a half years. And and we had an amazing amount of programming that was done. So it sounds like an incredible resource for the community. You know, you, you talked about your early days in radio. I, I had the same experience, not in a family radio station, but I created with others a radio station in our high school. And then I later became a, you know, temporary disc jockey on a, a radio station in Illinois. I love the radio. I've been listening to the radio since I was probably three years old. Every night, listen to the variety of stations you know, that you'd get with um, the the bouncing of the waves. Yep, the skip. Yeah, yeah, the skip. I love that. And then, you know, when um, podcasts came out, I th- said to myself, this is something that I can do. I don't need to be in a studio, in a studio or a station to create talk radio or spoken word radio, as you said. Right. And I've been addicted to podcasts since they came out in the early 90s. I just think it's a great form of getting people interested in certain things. And it's their choice to listen to it. As you just described how your iHub radio worked, it was great. Yeah, I was also really fortunate because uh, some of the steps that I skipped in in that, you know, 40-year window um, included the fact that uh, after... I had been working in radio for a number of years. A guy who had been my mentor, one of my mentors in Seattle. Um, he was a legendary host on Seattle Morning Radio and um, was on the air up there for over 30 years. And he lost his last job was uh, hosting a show on King Radio in, in Seattle. And 
that job he lost, um, they basically told him, you know, you're kind of done. You know, he, he was in his late 50s, early 60s. Uh, I think he was maybe 61, actually. And uh, and he um, got in his vehicle and drove up into the North Cascades uh, on the highway up there. And the Washington State Patrol made an announcement. And I heard it on the radio um, the morning that it happened. I was with my dad driving up the freeway. And they announced that he had um, taken his life. Wow. And I had been very close to he and his family, and I would eventually learn that in his um, in his note that he left his wife, he said, "I'm a old man in a young man's game," and it freaked me out. Hmm. And I was like, "This is all I've ever done," <laughs> and I, I'm and I'm young still. But this is all I've ever done. What would I do? And you know, if 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 and when that day hits me, and it it drove me so crazy, and I was between jobs right at that time, but I wasn't worried about it. I was busy helping my dad and some other people doing some projects. and and uh, But I ended up going and seeing a friend of mine who worked for a temp company. And he told me, um, you know, why don't we help you figure out what you like to do? Um, my company... Uh, you know, does these uh, career assessment inventories, kind of like the ones, you know, like the ASVABs or yeah, things yeah, like yeah, that yeah, that you yeah. take when you're in high school with the yeah. military. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, let's do that. And so at the end of it, he said to me, he said, do you like desktop publishing stuff? And I hadn't even thought about it before. And I said, well, yeah, I do all these newsletters and stuff as a, as a hobby thing for these different organizations, nonprofit organizations that I volunteer with. And all this. And he's like, yeah, it shows you have a real um, knack for this. So uh, you happen to know that I happen to be the, the representative on site for one of the largest software companies here in Seattle. And, <laughs> and they were the company that started desktop publishing, you know, uh, uh, Aldis, which made PageMaker. Right, right. And he said, and they're looking right now for somebody who is an end user tester to manage their user testing program. And and it's just a temp assignment until the new software re- releases, which is expected in about six months. So I was like, sure, I'd love to go talk to them. So sure enough, they hired me and gave me this laboratory with every kind of computer and every kind of printer and uh, film printers and everything you could imagine. Uh, I was like a kid in Santa's, uh, you know, uh, high tech workshop. Yeah. And. I loved it, and I loved the company so much, and the fact that there wasn't as much of the um, doggy doggedness that there was in media, and so I didn't want to leave when my and my contract was coming up, and and fortunately I found a job in their U.S. marketing group right before my job expired. So literally, I went one Friday from one job to the next Monday, starting this permanent position with them. And I loved the company. I loved the environment. I loved the opportunities and the things that I got to learn to do and getting to help train other people and especially in the education sector and a couple of others, um, you know, in working with that stuff. But that would ultimately lead me to my next job, which would be to join another little startup company in Seattle where some of my other coworkers from Aldous had gone. 
And I was employee number 99 hired at a little company at the time that was called Progressive Networks. And Progressive Networks would change its name a handful of months later to Real Networks. Oh, yeah. And we were the ones who launched the whole streaming media architecture. Even before Microsoft did it. That's incredible. Yeah. And so... It was so cool to, and, and I was, out of 99 people, I was the first person they hired that had worked in media. You know, <laughs> nobody else came from that background perspective. So it gave me a really important um, opportunity there to do a few things. And I became kind of the company's um, uh, original evangelist, you know, with uh, entertainment and broadcast companies and things like that. And I finally, um, my dad wanted to, shake my shoulders and make sure that my head was still working um, when he heard that I was going to leave the company after about 14 months because he's like, you've only gotten 20% of your pre-IPO stock options. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but I think I can do better than, you know, what that's going to do. And, you know, and of course, everybody's thinking, you know, these options are going to make everybody a millionaire, you know, the way that people. It doesn't quite work that way. (laughs) That people in Seattle think. Well, as it turns out, I probably would have been. However, um, I took and rolled the dice. And with um, 20% of my shares, I left and... uh, and I would start another um, company that launched um, really, truly the first um, global LGBTQ uh, audio service. And it kind of went through a few um, uh, identity adjustments during that time, but it ultimately became known as the GBC Radio Network. Sure. And, and that um, expanded to doing channels uh, for four other um uh, unique uh, niche markets we felt. The second channel we launched was um, Athena Radio, which is a, a women's channel. And uh, and then we had, um, we were in the process of releasing three other channels. We had one for the um, Jewish American community, African American, and for teenagers. The teenager one was being done in conjunction with Seventeen Magazine and a company that, that we had been involved with in producing some stuff together with. But um, there were some flaws or hiccups along the way, uh, the biggest of which became 9-11. And it, it really changed the direction of a lot of our investment group um, because everything that they had that had not hit um, its exit strategy by then, uh, they pulled back from ultimately. And, uh, and we were unfortunately about eight months uh, from profitability when that happened. So um, we were not able to sustain operation much longer. But the upside of that experience and having that early experience and being kind of a pioneer in streaming media was that it opened up the relationship with me and Sirius Satellite Radio. And they ended up hiring me to come be their uh, director of talk and entertainment program. What a great career. I mean, I think that, you know, all these things you did, you did some social justice radio, you did some commercial radio, but it's really you've stayed with the focal point of, as you referred to it, as spoken word. I think it's it's great. Um, you did mention the time frame that most people are listening to, uh, radio or podcasts. 
at the, at the 8 to 11 minutes. We look at ours at about the 18 to 20 minutes. We're at our 20 minute mark now. Um, I'm gonna close us out here and I'm gonna have you come back on for part two to tell us about your career in Sirius Radio. Are you okay with that? Yeah, sure. Okay. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, so you've been listening to Getting to Know You. Jeff, you want to take us out? Yeah, thanks for listening today. This podcast can be found on Apple Podcast and other podcast forums. Thank you very much. And John, thank you for being here today. You're welcome.